Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today we've got a, I'm going to call this a special episode. Yeah. Even sure. though it's pretty similar to our previous ones. It's a special episode because we did this crazy, spontaneous project and we finally get to reveal what we we're doing, why mm-hmm. we we're doing it, and how it went. This is a, the most casual version of where you'll see it, but we're working on videos that may or may not be out soon by the time you see this podcast. Yeah. But... This is the project that we did. So you've heard us talk all the time about electric cars on this channel. We've had people on talking about Electrify America. We've had people on. We've talked about Tesla in the past. We just had Doug DeMiro on recently talking about cars. Clearly, there's a lot of car talk on this channel. And one of the things that I've constantly heard in all this car talk is the difference between a road trip in a gas car and an electric car. Yeah. Just a fascinating question. Like, what kind of time does it add to your trip? What kind of experience changing does that do? Is there is there more range anxiety? There's just a whole just a different feeling doing a, a trip in a gas car like you're used to versus an electric sure. car. A lot more planning needed. So we decided to actually do such a trip. Yeah. And we made a we made a little bit of an experiment about it. It's semi-scientific, but here's basically how it went: is we did a thousand mile loop roughly, Mm -hmm. and we used three different cars that all started at the exact same time. We had the Tesla Model S Plaid. We'll go over all the details in a second, but that's the roughly highest range available Tesla using Tesla superchargers. We went with the Ford Mustang Mach-E California Route 1 Edition, which is, from what I understand and from what our research showed, the highest range non-Tesla EV. Yeah. And so that would be using its own set of chargers. It's also just one of the best selling EVs that are non-Tesla right now. Yeah. It's hotcakes right now. Mm -hmm. And we had a gas car as a control. Kind of wanted to use just like some sort of a full-size, popular, normal car to go on a road trip in. We ended up renting a car and that car was the Audi Q5. Yeah. So uh, sort of a I don't know. Would you say crossover? It's mid-size? super comparable to the Mach-E in yep. terms of price and size. Um, it's definitely a little higher because it's, you know, a little more expensive. Audi's a little yeah. more expensive, but it was just wound up. We thought it was a perfect comparison to the pretty similar uh, in price Mach-E. Too. Yeah, yeah. So that something like twenty-five to thirty miles per gallon, something like that. And the way we did it was we divided up the entire studio into three teams, mm-hmm. and we had these teams all. I'm using air quotes. Race. Starting from point A, doing a loop around points B, C, D, and E, and ending up back on point A. So we drew this thousand-mile loop around New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and that's how we did it. So the teams were myself and Hayato in the Tesla. Mm -hmm. We had your car, Team Gasolina. Gasolina, What was your team? I had Adam and I had Tim. So it was a three-person car. And then we have, uh, representing the gas car, we'll pop in... Or sorry, representing the Mustang Mach-E, we had Brandon and David. So let's bring in David. David, welcome. 
Welcome to the Waveform Podcast. Oh, We're thank, glad to have you back. Thank goodness. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. Um, wow. We have a lot to talk about because there were well, quite a variety of experiences. And I feel like if you were, if we were guessing at the beginning what was going to happen, uh, and we kind of were at this point, it's kind of like when we do the blind smartphone camera test, we're kind of like guessing behind the scenes mm-hmm. as we set up the brackets what might happen. I would have guessed that the gas car would come in first because there are gas stations everywhere mm-hmm. and that the Tesla would come in second because there are a lot of Tesla superchargers, but it's just not as long as, not as many as gas and it takes longer to charge. And that the Mustang Mach-E would come in shortly after that because there are even less Electrify America high-powered stations, especially in certain parts of the country. And that would have been sort of the end of my boring prediction. Yeah. Can I also just add something quickly to how... So I, I made the the loop, mm-hmm. wh- why I kind of made it how we did. Yeah. Um. So the first thing we wanted to do is make sure we all hit 1,000 miles, which was just like a number we picked out that's just easy to extrapolate data from. And then... In order to force that, I had to pick a bunch of specific points. We made them fun just because, you know, we still have to drive for two straight days and we want to be a little mm-hmm. entertained. Yeah. But um, in we didn't want any shortcuts to happen. We didn't want people like finding some certain ways to cheat the system. So this guaranteed everyone hit a thousand miles. I'm pretty sure everyone definitely hit the thousand. Um, I think we were 1,025 was right around where we ended. It was a little bit different for every car, yeah, which we'll yeah. get into, but it was a little <laughs> okay. over 1,000. Yeah, well, okay. It was a, yeah, it was a that, little... Yeah. Well, def- pretty we'll, we'll pretty over 1,000 Pretty that. over 1,000 for me, but... Yeah. Um, but so what I did was <laughs> I wanted to force that 1,000 miles, but I also wanted to have all the places as places that are either frequently traveled to or frequently visited. Um, so we did... We started going to Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we're starting in New Jersey, so it has to be... Oh, yeah. Somewhere near us. Our starting point, super, super useful. One Wawa, so food stop, yeah. that happens to have a gas station, a Tesla supercharger, and elect- an Electrify America charger yeah. right there, basically in that parking lot. So, so that was all, perfect. all pretty much top off and then- Started 100% Yeah, for so everybody. we went to Lake Placid, then we went to Niagara Falls, then we went to Cornell University in Ithaca, down to Scranton, and then back across to work. It was a little over a thousand miles. It is also in a fairly like remote area as well, though. But for us, it is still a place where people like we would travel to. People go to Niagara Falls from here all the time. People all the time. go to Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. It was a, a past Olympic site. It's like all pretty obvious driving. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it wasn't going to be an easy trip by any means. Yeah. I mean, like for a gas car, you have no <laughs> worries about it. Um, but for the rest of it, we weren't really sure. And we did make a rule where you were not allowed to pre-plan charging or gas stops or pit stops or whatever beforehand yeah. you weren't allowed to till you got into the car we wanted to make it like yeah most people don't as do a whole ton of planning like that yeah. yeah like you were gonna get in the car and you're just gonna see where the car told you what to do pretty much yeah so i want to do let's do like a quick two three second two three minute recap of each car's experience just to set the stage for what actually went down right so i think gas car should probably start because that's what everyone's familiar with yeah, we were the control so i guess that's what How everyone should be familiar i mean it went smooth uh we definitely had all of the advantages on our side we had as many stops as we wanted to because almost even out there in the middle of the adirondacks we could get a gas station pretty much wherever we wanted um, we could stop for food when we wanted it wasn't taking up a whole lot of time we had three drivers although I wound up doing most of it. I was just on a roll. Tim was creating a thumbnail. Adam was our best cameraman. So it just kind of, we settled into roles and and went that way. But we, uh, yeah, we cruised. That was pretty much it. No surprises. You ended up. No surprises. um, Lots of trivia. We did split it up into 
two days mm-hmm. just for clarity. So we Safety did, sake, yeah, much. day one was start at the studio, head up to Lake Placid, then ho- head over to Niagara Falls, pause, leave your current state of charge, mm-hmm. or in your case, state of fuel. And then day two, wake up in Niagara Falls, finish the rest of the loop from there, and we'd keep the time delta from each car. Yeah. The Tesla, oh, I want to ask, was there any sort of um, autopilot cruise control that you were taking advantage of? There was a lane assist and cruise control, nothing that was attempting to be full self-driving by any means. It was more of just like a, hey, I'm helping you stay in the lane. I'm keeping up with the car in front of you. You can set travel distance. It was coming from an older car with 180,000 miles on it. It It's nice to just be in a newer car, but like it wasn't anything I was assuming both of the the Maki or the Tesla would have. It's not like anything we've talked about. I enjoyed it. It definitely made driving a little easier. But that's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll go for the Tesla car. Um, I've done a lot of road trips in the Tesla before, so I was very familiar. And even without any pre planning, you get in the car and you're able to plan pretty easily on the map on the touchscreen in the car. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we didn't have any sort of issues. I'm looking at my charging stops here, which I've written all of them down. We had six total charging stops, three on each day. Okay. None of them were over 46 minutes. Um, and they were all pretty fast. Typically, we would get, you know, 60 to 80% battery pretty quickly. Our most dramatic experience was the first one, where we went directly from the studio all the way up to the top of the mountain in Lake Placid, where I arrived with 0.3% battery left which nice. is one mile left Crazy. on the car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was I was chilling. I was definitely Ooh. going very slow up that hill to make sure that worked out. Mm-hmm. But once we got there, that was our first stop um, where we charged for half an hour and got to 275 miles. So I was definitely trusting the supercharger network with that one. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, other than that, yeah, autopilot was great. I learned a lot about the limits of Navigate on autopilot. I still wish I had access to the the full self-drive beta where okay, it would so like take exits. Have it on this. Okay. I didn't have it, but it, it was great for highway stuff, okay. which was nice. How was uh, Maki? All right. Well, first of all, thank you guys for, for beaming me in here because I was <laughs> yes, still sir. stuck in Vermont. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to shave real quick. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, wow, that feels better. Okay. Nice. <laughs> All right. For those who are listening to audio, <laughs> yeah, he had a mustache on. David had a fake mustache. I think on we, like, fake. we mixed up our the two intros we wanted to do and just put them together, and I realized we left the mustache. Can't break off. the fourth wall, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, yeah. So, you know, I think Brandon and I were in the monkey. We got a little um, screwed over at the very first stop, and that kind of set the pace for the rest of the first day. Uh-huh. And uh, even though we were originally going for like kind of it, not like a race, but also just like a, it's sort of a race, but not trying to like drive fast. Right. We capped out at 75 oh, miles yeah. per hour on each car. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to pull off. Actually, I was very surprised by the monkey. Uh, something the monkey does really well is like the range estimate. Yeah. is extremely accurate and you actually get more range than it says you're going to get, which is not something Tesla's do. Uh, and the C- the Ford guy that came to hand off the um, lightning to us told us that they do this on purpose because they would prefer to give custo- like give customers lower expectations and then pleasantly surprise them. Yeah, that's something we definitely saw in the Maki was we got more range than it said we were going to get, which was great. <clears throat> the problem was we got to the first charger with like thirty miles remaining mm-hmm. on the car. Uh, and the chargers were all down. 
And I guess it was something weird where they were like switching over systems over the weekend and they hadn't finished switching them over or something. But the problem with that was in that area of upper New York, there's like, there's nothing around there. There's that Eesh. charger and that is it. You needed that charger we to work. We needed that charger to work. Just to be clear real quick, that was an Evolve New York charger? It was an Evolve New right? York okay. charger, which is, I believe, run by the New York uh, State. But okay. I need to double check that. Um, but they were they were kind of freaking out when we tweeted about it. And they were like, <laughs> we're going to, it's, it's going to be operational by 3 p.m. And like by that time, though, Brandon and I had to drive to Vermont, which was yeah literally the opposite direction that we needed to go. But it was the only one we could make it to. Um so we had to drive into Vermont. We finally made it to a charger there. There was one charger. And I don't know if you want to get into this now or if we want to get into this later as a broader discussion about the network. Yeah. Uh, would you rather do that I, later? No? I like. I kind of like diving into like some of the more general points and like yeah, okay. findings from this because yeah. I didn't know what I would want to say after we do this trip. Like I yeah. figured we'd end up mm -hmm. with this, this number at the end of like, okay, we did the trips. We did all three cars. Here's how much time it added to the trip in the Tesla. Mm -hmm. Here's how much time it added to the trip in the Mach-E. Yeah. And those were obviously still our findings. And it's, you know, it's something like an hour or two for the Tesla for a thousand miles. And it's, depending on your experience, mm -hmm. anywhere from three to seven hours in the Mach-E, depending yeah. on if you have a remote area where there's nothing else and you got to go the wrong direction. You yeah. ended up not being able to even hit Lake Placid because right. you were on your way to another charger. Yeah, uh -huh. we had to skip it. But another thing I was interested in was what you were just mentioning, which is the accuracy of the range estimate in the car. Yeah. I've driven a lot of gas cars where you get a decent range estimate, but you're not really trusting it with your life because there's so many gas stations out there. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But uh, the Tesla, when I drive any Tesla... It's, it's pretty notoriously giving me a buffer, but the range estimate is perfect conditions. Yeah. And in uh, perfect conditions, my car with the 21-inch wheels said it would get me about 345 miles. I have never gotten that yeah. ever, yeah. and I've never gotten perfect efficiency, which I think would probably be around 260 watt-hours per mile. I pretty constantly at highway speeds average over 300, typically 300 to 350. And in this car, you know, we're just doing cruise control. Sometimes you're drafting behind a truck. You, you know, hills will affect it a little we bit. We did that near the end. Yeah, it's very useful. It. Very useful, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But, like, I will I'll set off to a charger, and if the charger is 30 miles away and the car says I have 40 miles to go, I'm actually thinking about it a lot more than you would think. Yeah. Because you think 10 miles. Wow, you have way – you have a ton mm -hmm. of buffer. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. as you're driving, that buffer also shrinks because it's not perfect efficiency. Um, and I was really impressed. We were, I think we were on a Twitter space or something, and you yeah. were talking about the range of the Mach-E, and it was definitely going down much slower yeah. despite our same speed. We so. would go like two miles, and it would only drop a mile. Like yeah. I, I think every trip between chargers, we would get like 20 to 25 more miles of range than it said we were going to get. That is And I think dream. that's what Ford should be doing. That's mm -hmm. like what, yeah, I think that's awesome. what these electric car manufacturers that like, the number one concern for most consumers is the range anxiety of electric vehicles. And the best way to curb that is to like set expectations really low and then beat them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is something I was really surprised by. And I think it's a really good thing that Ford did that when they dropped off the Lightning. They told us they do this where like even in the Lightning, they 
assume the mileage range based on a thousand miles in the bed or, th- or a thousand pounds, thousand pounds of cargo yeah of cargo in the bed and so like they want to under promise and over deliver and that's what they definitely did with the maki too we gained like 20 to 25 miles or like we got 20 to 25 miles more than it said we were going to get yeah and i'd much prefer that to like a tesla where you just like <laughs> it says you have the range and yeah like just to go from my apartment to here it's 11 miles but i burn like 20 to 22 miles exactly here. exactly so i and i noticed this with the Taycan, a lot of people have had the same experience. Like it gets way closer, even though it's saying, oh, we'll only do 225 miles. It'll get 220 miles, which mm. is pretty impressive. The California Route 1 edition of the Maki, I think, is rated at 305 miles. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that number on the dash. No, I was very confused with that because like online it says 305, but yeah. we only ever got up to like 265 max. Interesting. But we have the Route 1 edition, so I'd Yeah, but there's also a there's a feature in the car that we saw on the dash where it was either going to estimate your range based on previous driving or not, and we left it on. So it's possible previous driving knocked that that estimate down. It only had like a thousand miles on it though, so it shouldn't have shouldn't be too crazy. Too crazy, yeah. 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 But yeah, so it was giving you 250 ish, and you got every ounce of that. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think I remember. So we we left uh, the studio. The, the Tesla had 340 miles on it. The Mach-E had 240 miles on it. And during that same leg of the trip, I was down to 50 and you were down to 30. Yeah. It was like We like very, almost very close. had to charge at the exact same time. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was pretty impressive and I wanted to note that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the accuracy of what's on the screen. Mm. So this was one of our one of our points is we wanted to plan our, our road trip based on the info that the car or the app was giving us. And so that's what I did in the Tesla. That's, I mean, with a gas car, you kind of just go on site because we could have, yeah, we could have done whatever we wanted. You didn't really have to plan too much. Not at all. So with the EVs, we're thinking a lot about planning and the difference between the information and the accuracy of it that you get on the Tesla screen versus the Mach-E is probably the biggest story and learning from at least my experience. Mm. With the Tesla, it'll, it'll go, all right, here's all the superchargers on the map. You can filter by speed. You can filter by how far away from you they are. You click on one on the map, it'll tell you how much it will cost per minute to charge there if you don't have free charging. It'll Mm -hmm. tell you how many stalls there are, how many are occupied, how many are out of order, and how long you'll have to charge there to get to your next destination. Yeah. That's perfect. That's like, and all of that information has been notoriously very accurate for me. And so I relied on it. I would literally go, okay, Lake Placid is is a 250 kilowatt charger. There's eight stalls, they're empty. I will get there with 1% left. Go. Yeah. And guess what? I got there with 1% yeah. left and time to, time to hit that charger. Yeah. And what we found in the Mach-E was, uh, oh, you can tell the story, yeah. but it was very different. Yeah, it's very different. Um, the Mach-E's UI is like good in some ways, but extremely confusing in a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a, a broader problem with this whole thing is just the amount of charging companies that there are. There are like 19 different charging companies right and ford uses like all of them and they have a filter for like ford approved um which didn't really change anything when we when we turned it on because i assume that they just want to say their network is as big as possible right? i think that's so they, what it is yeah so it didn't really change anything when we turned on ford approved we did find there is a setting for um like prefer fast charging okay finally um but we kind of went into this like just so everybody knows like I got so many comments on Twitter just being like why didn't you use this app or why didn't you go on this random website and like we went into this I wanted to see what it, the experience would be like if I just bought this car I didn't really know anything about EVs and I just like 
put in my destination and let it do the rest. Yeah. And that's what ended up like kind of wrecking us because we didn't go into the filters the first day and put like prefer fast charging or anything like that. We just kind of like went. And yeah, it's like we, well, you would get to a trickle charger and I have this photo um, that I'll have Adam put on the screen where like, and Brandon and I at like 11 p.m. ended up at this truck stop in the middle of nowhere. We almost stayed at this uh, random motel in this creepy area in the middle of nowhere. We had no idea where we were. And I I plugged in because the car was like, oh, there's a charger here. You're basically out of range. There's a charger here. Please plug in. And it was like a trickle charger. So I plugged in and I got a notification on my watch and it was like 2,900 minutes until 16% charge. And I was like, holy, holy smokes. smokes. That's yeah, and that that's like yeah. kind of brutal. The uh, the fact that you can go through the filters and that you did do that for the second day yeah. made a pretty big difference, I think. Yeah, sure. although to be honest, we mostly just used the Electrify America app on our phones because okay. the second, like, the thing is, there was like tw- 19 or 20 different charging networks, mm-hmm. but Electrify America is useful because at every single Electrify America charger, there are at least four, right? The biggest problem we ran into, and actually the reason why we had so many issues, was we would stop at fast chargers with like 30% left. But so many of these chargers only have one hose, like one thing to plug into. Oh, one stall, one, one charger. St- one stall, one charger. Okay. Right? Whereas like every Tesla charger has like at least like six A bunch. minimum. Mm-hmm. And Electrify America, which is owned by Volkswagen Group, actually has four minimum, right? And so the second day we figured like, okay, the chances of all four of them being out are much lower. Um, and we did cut it close yesterday on our last charge because three of the four were out. But the biggest issue we were in, into yesterday was that like all of the fast charges we would route to, there was one. Like the first day that was the Evolved New York, New York one, mm-hmm. there were like four to six, but they were just all down because they were like switching to some other thing. I, I don't even know what that means. Um, but... Yeah, most of the fast chargers, it would be like you'd pull into a truck stop somewhere and there would be literally one. Yeah, that's and not, not ideal. Yeah, and and like half the time, more than half the time, they were broken. Yeah. And I remember I called the number on the thing because someone on Twitter had say like, oh, just call it. They can reset it for you. I called the number and she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was reported being broken like a few days ago. A service technician should be coming out at some point. And it's like, <laughs> you can't In the next week. do this. So yeah. this is the problem is like it's so decentralized, right? Like there's obviously a good – there's good things to be said about n- fragmentation sometimes because it can cause one company to not have too much power. Mm. But when it's so decentralized like this and there's no like universal like hub or server that says, hey, these are out of order. Send that to the Ford app yeah. and the app says you can't use this. Yeah. There's there's nothing like that. And if you pull into a fast charge and you have 30 miles remaining, what are you supposed to do? The closest thing you can get to is either nothing, Vermont, or a trickle charger that will take 2,900 minutes to get to 16%. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very important with a with an electric car yeah. for that sort of thing to work. And you also think about in the future when there's going to be way more electric cars, having a station that it's guiding you to that has one charger yeah. where you don't know if it's being used or not yeah. is going to become a problem. Even too. if it works. And yeah. it's so like, um, so I, I will... Stop talking in a sec. But the, the last charger that we went to uh, yesterday, the last day, it was an Electrify America because we hit only Electrify America chargers on the way home just because we wanted to play it safe. Okay. And on the Electrify America app, it said one of four available. 
And I was like, okay, well, and this is like before we left our last charging location. So it was still going to be like 200 miles till we got there. So I was like, oh, well, like three out of four of them are being used. By the time we get there, I'm sure there will still be one available. We got there. That didn't mean they were being used. It was it meant they were broken. <laughs> so one yeah. was not broken. And it's just like, if you have more than one electric car in a 200-mile radius, you're going to have to wait for the person before you to finish, and then you're going to have to wait the 30 to 45 minutes for your car to charge. Yeah. And like, that's just, that's not acceptable. Yeah. And Electrify America is the best of all of these services. The best available. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I want to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about both the charging and, and refueling experience, but also how it combined with the human refueling experience. So <laughs> we'll we'll take a break like and that. we'll come back to that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones. With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda.io forward slash wave. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. 
So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is gonna change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution, like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at orus.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back. Uh, I think we left off with David telling us about getting to a charger that only had one left, which is kind of terrifying. I think we can all agree on that. I I think it's something that I'm always interested with in EVs, though, is just like number of stalls. Because this is, as the gas car, when we were driving, we stopped at gas stations. I don't think we ever went under half a tank because we almost played it similarly to how you guys did, where like we tried to make every break as efficient as possible, where we have a bathroom break. Let's just fill up while we're here. I don't think any break we had ever took longer than 10 minutes. Um, Some were just for food. I think we had two stops that were only for food and we didn't fill up because it was, we had gone to the bathroom recently enough where we, we were pretty solid, but we never went under half a tank of gas. There were gas stations though, where like when we pulled in, no pumps were available and you know, gas station, they've got eight to 10 pumps, Mm -hmm. but waiting for that still means you're only waiting for some two to three people to finish and then you're in there and out of there in less than five or ten minutes like ev charging is which i think in this trip we were in a in a situation where there are less chargers um i think i mean i'm getting way ahead of myself but i just had this thought of it would be really interesting to do this trip again in places where evs are super super popular and you're getting to potentially the point where you're pulling up to a charger that's full because yes. we've yeah. we've all seen those videos like, of like Wines, right? Yeah, yeah California. Both, I mean, basically just California. Yeah, <laughs> um, but not to get too off track. I just had that thought: like, we never spent more than ten minutes, and even though we would go to places where there's a line for the bathroom, a line for the the gas pumps, like a line for food, we went to the slowest Wendy's ever because they were short staffed, and <sighs> still 
nothing we ever did took longer than 10 minutes. Yeah, no, I think I think the goal of electric chargers should be to match the current gas car mm-hmm. experience, which would be two things. One, speed of charging has to get way faster to match the time. And two, the amount of them that there are in the country has yeah. to be mm-hmm. way more. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like with your gas car trip, you can actually just go straight to your waypoints and your food destinations and not even think about where you're gonna charge because you can charge at any point or fuel at any yeah, point that yeah, you yeah. need to. But with the electric cars, it was a little different. And even in the Tesla, I found it where you are planning around your chargers. Yeah. And I think around this thousand mile trip, we kind of hit every type of charger as far as things that you can do at that charging stop. Mm. Typically you want like something to eat or somewhere to use a bathroom, something like that. So we got up to Lake Placid. That one was a top of a mountain grocery store and that was pretty much it. So I think, yeah, at that grocery store, we got snacks and like donuts or whatever, mm-hmm. and that was fine. I think we stopped at another one that was a mall and we wanted to eat. So with that stop, we went into the mall and found the food court in the middle of the mall and ate at a Wendy's there mm-hmm. and then came back all the way out the mall to the to the parking lot because it was just in the, in the mall parking lot. We had another one that was at a hotel. And it was really interesting because we weren't about to go in this hotel because we didn't have a reservation or anything, but I imagine there wouldn't have been much to do. That was our short, that was an eight minute stop. Okay. We didn't really do much there. Mm-hmm. But like if you were looking for food there, there wasn't really There wasn't option. really anything. We would have had to go somewhere else. That's actually surprising. There was another one that was in a strip mall with tons of food. Okay. We happened okay. to pick one of the like eight options and had had a bite there. So we kind of had every version of it, but it, it was when we were deciding to be efficient, we weren't driving to food or driving to the waypoint and then happened to have a charger nearby. It was look on the map, we're going to Scranton. Where's the charger near Scranton? We're going there first. Yeah. Then we will figure out what to do. Yeah, there is um on the Tesla website, if you look it up on your phone, you can see what foods are around there. But mm-hmm. even with that knowledge, you're pretty at the mercy of what, because generally you're planning that trip already. Like that's your option. That's what you get. Yep. I will say, I do. I think you benefited on the Lake Placid one on getting food there because we made the mistake of let's let's get going. We're pretty close. We're not gonna grab food here because we're not that hungry. And then the the distance between Lake Placid and like close to Niagara, there was nothing. So mm, right. all of us were just like, we we yeah, played that like bad game roads. of waiting for yeah. like to try and get something better to eat, and there was absolutely nothing. So we were starving. We ate at like a gas station, or no, we've we found a really nice cafe that was nice, but it, it okay. took a while and. Yeah, it was kind of it's kind of nice to get forced into planning to eat and whatever. But Mm -hmm. other than that, it was nice that we could wait, find something, hop off the road, grab something, eat, hop back on the road in a couple minutes. Yeah. Part of the reason we did thousand miles, by the way, was just because that's obviously way more than twice the range of both electric cars. Mm -hmm. It was just so we would have to definitely stop multiple times for various things, just sort of getting more variables involved there. Um yeah, no, I feel like we we had a, a good variety of different stops. I don't know, it was the Electrify America charger, where yeah, would that day two. where would that so, usually be? Okay, so like when we on the first day when we were just doing whatever chargers the Ford app told us to stop at, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty random. Like everything but Electrify America is is sort of like in a forest, and there's sort of a little convenience mart. Or just like just in very random locations, like we stopped in this like very cute town where we ended up getting sandwiches, um, but it was just like one EV charger in some random lot down by the lake, uh. and it was just really random. All the Electrify America chargers definitely play more like Tesla does. Like the reason there was an Electrify America charger near the Wawa 
was because that's also a Walmart parking lot and they have a relationship with Walmart. Right. Where they put a lot in the Walmart parking lots. We stopped at one that was in a um, outlet mall. Mm -hmm. So that was like kind of crummy for the food's sake because like all we really wanted was uh, like there was basically no food there. There was like a Froyo shop and we wanted coffee, but there was actually no coffee in a entire uh, like outlet mall, which is surprising. But impressive. Anyway, um, yeah, definitely not quite as good, but I feel I feel like the Electrify Americas are a little bit better, and at least you could like go into Wal um, not Walmart, Walmart, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe pick something up there if you needed to. It's like not enjoyable necessarily. Walmart has food, technically. exactly. They have food. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel like the Tesla. Two things. One, uh, there are destination chargers on the Tesla map, but they're all gray. So if you look for a charger, by default, it's going to show you all of the superchargers, which are all fast. Usually, most of them are V2s. Some are V3s. So that'll be 150 kilowatts or 250. Um, if you want to, you can tap on the gray ones, and it'll show you some of those like random charge point chargers or like single yeah. chargers in a like a parking lot of a bagel shop or whatever. It's like you probably don't intentionally want to go to one of those, but if you are in a pinch, they're on the map, and you can find one that's nearby. Mm -hmm. um, but also, yeah, we, I remember on the way to Lake Placid, there was, uh, we had a moment where we could choose about an hour short to stop at the last supercharger for a while. And I looked on the map and I saw a bunch of mountains and I was like, oh, that could be a problem, but you know what? We're an hour away and we've got barely enough range. I had a, we're doing this, we're going. <laughs> we're going all the way up to Lake Placid on one charge. Oh, and it was kind of just like, once we got past that last charger, we were fully committed. There was nothing else around. There were no destination chargers. We were going through a forest. It was like sheetrock walls to like rivers and like single lane roads up the side of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, one of the questions you usually get is, okay, well, what, what, what do you do if you run out in an electric car? Like if you're in a gas car, you can get towed obviously, but also like if you get someone to bring you a can of gas, you can pour it in the car right. and actually just keep going. Yeah, battery doesn't um, work that way. <laughs> not quite the same. A lot of people kept bringing up like a generator, like that's not very efficient. Yeah. You could in theory get a mile or two out of a generator, yeah. but that's a big generator that runs on Do gas. people really yeah. bring that up? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, cause that's like the only, rods. it's the only thing that kind of <laughs> works in your head of like, okay, portable fuel. Yeah. If you're in a gas car, portable fuel is just a can of gas. If you're in an electric car, what's the answer? The theory there all battery? checks yeah. out, but it honestly makes no sense. It a doesn't tow makes a thousand more. It would be yeah. nice if if there were some sort of battery you could plug into your car just to get an extra range, but it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Um, so yes, you do. You would have to get towed, and I've seen it happen. Yeah. I've never gotten to that point. I'm jinxing it, but I've been down to <laughs> one mile many times. Yeah. Also, we met somebody uh, who worked for Tesla, and this is not the first Tesla employee who has told me that there is a small reserve underneath zero miles. Probably don't want to go there all the time. It's don't. probably bad for your battery. But multiple people have told me numbers between 10 and 25 miles okay. of extra range That's pretty decent. if you are absolutely in a bind yeah. and you've run out and have yeah. nothing around you. That's that's handy to, to have. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. But I, I got to one mile and the car was fine. So okay. that existed. Maybe it hangs on that one mile for like quite a while. It turned to one mile like 
about a mile from okay. the charger. <laughs> okay. I think we have footage of us getting up. I think Hayato checks in every couple minutes where it's like, oh, nice. We've got 13 miles left on the ride and 13 miles left on the car battery. Lordy. Great. Oh, <laughs> look, we've got five miles left on the car going up a hill and we're six miles away from the charger. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to like one mile left and it happened to be like we get to a downhill. So yeah. there's a little bit of regen. I go nice and slow. I get all the battery back. Yeah. Go back up the hill and it was just just perfect. Yeah. So, Dang. yeah, it, it happened to work out. Um, I have our, our total deltas at roughly an hour and a half for the Tesla behind the gas car. And then mm. if we include all of the adventures of Vermont and not having <laughs> yeah. a charger available, the Mach-E on this particular trip was about five hours behind, five to five and a half hours behind. Yeah, I mean, it's only because of that first all situation. Yes. The, if, if we only count the second day, we were actually only like 20 minutes Yeah, behind. it was like 20 yes. minutes. It was really close. And yeah. Brandon and I made a sort of inefficient coffee shop a stop once. Yeah. Which so this, probably took about 15 minutes. Yeah, I think it, it's really interesting when you isolate Pretty the even. second day. Yeah. So the second day, we all left from Niagara Falls somewhere around 11 in the morning, and the Tesla had about 70 miles on it. The gas car had some bazillion miles. How many did you We had a half a tank. It was like 450. Or no, maybe we had more. We had like 450 miles That's to start. A lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you had somewhere around 180, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so- 184 or something like that. So we had to make a pretty early stop because we were already at 70. And we stopped at um, Chictawaga, which had a great level three charger. In 15 minutes, we went from 40 to 198 miles. So it was, it was wow. quick. But um, that last leg was about 450 miles that day. Yeah. And we all arrived within about an hour of each other. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. The first so, leg. Maki came in before Tesla, correct? Probably. Oh, oh the sorry. First, the, second first the second day. Okay, yeah. But yeah. if we go to first stop, Ithaca, I think you beat them by. We did by like 15, minutes? 20 yeah. minutes. Theoretically, theoretically, before first stop, it should not matter because we should all be traveling at 75 miles per hour and leaving at the exact same time. Yeah, there was charging we, differences. I guess it was you were starting at different ranges though. Also, yeah, so we, we started with low battery mm-hmm. immediately. Right. They went charged. They charged right before they went to do the clock photo. We did not. We charged after the clock photo. Did you charge once before the clock? No, no we went straight there. I thought you did because we were neck and neck with you guys, and then there was a turn at one point because that was the only time we were together, and you guys stopped to charge. I think right. Oh, I think they charged twice before Ithaca. You charged. I think once. total yeah, yeah, yeah. on the That's second day we only charged twice. On yeah, the second day. we charged twice before Ithaca. Once at Chictawaga because we started with low battery, and then once basically in Ithaca. Yeah. So. That's our, but then we had one more stop just yeah, so to get home. Like under ideal conditions, if you only go to Electrify Americas and they're available, um, mm-hmm. which luckily this one was, mm-hmm. it is pretty much almost one to one with Tesla. Like mm-hmm. the charging rate of most Electrify Americas are either 150 or 350, which the 350, like Tesla doesn't even offer yet, but also there are no electric cars that offer anything near that yet. Yeah. 275 is the fastest charging car on the market. It's the Taycan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the fact that it charges at the speed of a V2 Tesla is pretty good, right? Yeah. Like, but it's just the volume. And and the thing that kept ringing in my head yesterday was you build it and they will come. But the they haven't really built the charging infrastructure yet. And then, but there's this huge push to build electric cars. 
And weirdly, it's like there's not a lot of car manufacturers that are really heavily investing in the charging network. They're kind of taking the like, it's not really our problem approach. Uh, even Volkswagen like only made Electrify America because they had to. The U.S. government forced them to make their own charging oh, network because Dieselgate. of the emissions scandal. Yeah. And like, it's funny that like they were forced to, and then now it's the best network that is not Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like there's all these random charging companies that are sort of trying to get a piece of the pie. And like, yes, company electric car companies are investing in these other companies, but they're not. I feel like they need to do more. They really need to do more. And also putting yeah. a single charger in a location and being like, we service this area is not acceptable. It's just not That's acceptable. Not acceptable yeah, it's tough. I, I almost kind of frame this at the beginning of like, if I were to put my parents in this car and say, yeah. Drive to this place a exactly thousand miles what away. I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> How would it go for them? Yeah. And obviously the gas car, they'd be fine. They drive a gas car. If we put them in the Tesla, I think they would have no problem being very conservative and just stopping at like every supercharger along the way and just just being safe yeah. with battery. And I wonder if they had decided to just pick whatever route the Mach E laid out for them, mm-hmm. how it would have gone. Yeah. Um but a lot of parallels keep coming up in my mind between like almost like iOS and Android. I'm trying to like crystallize this more in my head probably by the time I make this video, but like yeah. Tesla controlling the whole stack, yeah. which is they build the superchargers for Teslas. Yeah. They they have the length of the cable perfectly to, to match up with where the charge port is on every car they make. And like, obviously this is all, it's all thermally optimized and mm-hmm. it's, it's online and it talks to the cars and it bills you later. Like it's very streamlined. Um, the fact that that works so well seems like an impossible target for another company that isn't building their own. Yeah. Um, and you can get close and there's the, there's the pixel of the experience, which is maybe a Volkswagen owned car (laughs) on Electrify America only, maybe a Taycan. And here's a hot take. (laughs) There is a route somewhere. There is a world and a route that you can take where the Mach-E wins probably beats the Tesla, maybe even ties the gas car. Yeah. Because if you follow Electrify America's 350-watt maximum chargers, Mm -hmm. and even I would say the Plaid Model S with those big wheels, which has 350 miles on the dash, doesn't quite get 300 miles. Mm -hmm. And the 305-mile Mach-E would probably get 305 miles. So if you take off from the same place and you hit Electrify America's fast chargers, there's a world where it wins. Yeah. And you only hit 150s in mm-hmm. the Tesla. And I think that's the best case like you could possibly find for it. But I, if you're if you're giving the car to my parents and saying, go yeah. to Saskatchewan, like it, it's not going to be the and same this is an it is extremely like iOS versus Android, actually, because CCS, which is the one that everything's sort of converging to, yeah. is a lot like USB-C. It's like it offers all of these things, and most cars are starting to use it. And whereas Tesla, it's like they're lightning, they're in a lot of places and like they offer a lightning to USB-C connector. Right. But actually the USB-C CCS offers like more things. It can go up to 350 watts, right? It's kind of like how there's some benefits. If you get the right cable, you can get the fastest Thunderbolt 3 speeds, but there's a lot of cables that look like it that don't get Thunderbolt 3 speeds and you pull up to the wrong charger and get slow speeds. Like you can go up to 350. Tesla doesn't even offer that. Right. right? At this point, their fastest charging is 250, 250. which is the newest Model S and X. Taycan's better than that. Just a little bit, yeah. So So. there's going to be USB-C phones out there that charge faster than the iPhone, but are they ubiquitous and work every time like lightning? Right. Interesting. And when your friends ask you at a party, 
maybe if you have a charging cable and you hand them the USB-C cable and they say, oh, no, I have an iPhone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe I need to draw that comparison in the video. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's one other thing in charging that I thought was really interesting mm -hmm. that I would like, I feel like we need to do the math on for the final video, but it's the the like charging curve that we yeah. found out between the Mach-E and the I Tesla. think that's going to be totally dependent on the car. Well, yeah, but if we just compare to Mach-E right now, yeah, which yeah. what we found was it goes full blast right until 80% and then just tanks. So it's not right, right until 80%. I noticed yesterday the last Electrify America charger we used actually showed the kilowatts that it was okay, outputting. It? Yeah. And when we first plugged in at 30, it was actually going at 157 which was weird to me because they can only take 150. I think maybe it was accounting for heat loss or something. Um, but it was outputting 157. But then once we got to 60, it actually dropped to like 87. Okay. So it so dropped get, fairly significantly. You get, There's you get a curve. Same thing in the probably all of these cars, and this is the same with smartphones. You you get peak charging briefly. Yeah. Like you're if you're rated on your phone to charge at 80 watts or something crazy, it doesn't charge at 80 watts from zero to 100. You go ramp up to your peak charging, and you'll get peak charging from like ten to thirty percent, and then it'll slowly. You, you probably could find a graph of this. It'll yeah, slowly yeah, slow down yeah. all the way to one hundred percent. Then you have this weird thing where after eighty percent on the Maki, -E, it like capped you at it ten kilowatts. Ten kilowatts, which and is we like, can see it on this graph here, which is, is very yeah, slow, really slow. It's yeah, weird. I'm not sure why functionally it would decide to do that, other than like protecting you from touching 100. percent But if you're yeah. at a fast charger, you want to charge. Yeah, up fast. like so I know that weird. most cars like will start. I mean, sort of trickle charging after around 80. Tesla but it's goes not pretty that, hard, but it's not that low, right? I mean, it goes to under 50 after 80. Yeah, but 10 kilowatts is so yeah. slow. Yeah. It, for 20. percent it, it seems like, pretty obvious that any charger outside of your house, you're not. They don't want you there to 100 percent either. Right. Like that, you're just taking up more spots. You're you're generally not charging up to that, and you're. But if you charge me up faster, I'll leave faster. This is almost like a right to repair thing because it's <laughs> like we're forcing you to not hurt your battery by only charging to 80 percent ever, even though you could charge to 100 percent. Yeah, we really want you to only go to 80. Also, every car treats it a little differently. The Taycan. Um, I'm trying to remember the specifics. With the Tesla, you can slide a slider right to 100%, and yeah. it'll charge the car to 100. And it'll warn you, hey, don't do this every time. We don't want you to the degrade trip. your battery life quickly. Yeah. But if you go down to 80%, that's your typical everyday state of charge. Leave the garage with 80%, and that's like a safe way of doing it. Uh, the Mach-E, you also have that control. But I believe the Taycan has a, a bit of extra battery that it doesn't charge every time. So if you... Uh, charge to 100% on the Taycan, you're actually going to keep hitting that 100% every single day. And for the life of the car, it will feel like it doesn't degrade because there's extra battery above oh, it that it's preserving for hiding. you. Interesting. Yeah. So it does. It takes that like out of the equation for the Taycan Completely. owner. They believe they're charging to 100% every yeah. time and they get the same experience That's every time. That's kind of smart to be honest. feels like a gas car. Yeah. Like I, I fill my tank every day and I don't have to worry about the tank yeah. shrinking or something mm -hmm. weird. The thing stops when it stops. Exactly. Yeah. So there's different ways different companies have attacked that and uh, I'd be curious if there's like a written reason why it decides 80% it's going to slow charge instead of stopping. I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, I assume it's some sort of like battery chemistry thing that we did not go to school for. So <laughs> I mean, might have to talk to someone from Ford. I'm sure yeah. they're, I'm sure they're uh, raging at the keyboard right now trying to tell us exactly what it is. But yeah. I, I am very aware that I can charge to 100% on the Tesla yeah. as many or as few times as I want to. And that's in my control. Yeah. And if right. you're an enthusiast, you'll probably appreciate that more. So yeah. there's that. Yeah.
But yeah, I'm, I would love to know. I bet there's a world where we can plan an exact trip where the Mach E wins, like mm-hmm. a 500. Sure, there's multiple ones. A 500 mile on trip. Where it is, yeah. Where there is only 150 kilowatt superchargers for the Tesla. Yeah. And there is, you know, all electrify America for the Mach E, and you just ride it out, and it's just, you know, it's just so hard that Teslas can use so many non-Tesla chargers too, and adapt to them. And obviously, they like I don't think they can use all of them. Um, I think you'd mentioned they possibly can't use electrify America. That's something we have to like look into a little bit more. Um, and that would make sense for Volkswagen to do that. But when you can have the Tesla network, which is like so big already, and yes, technically it is not the same size as the entire non-Tesla network, mm-hmm. but also it's kind of bigger because you can adapt to a lot of those, right? Right. And like every non-Tesla car company CEO is like, our network is actually bigger. And it's like, not really. And then also, if you only have one at your station and there's a 50% chance of them being broken, like the first Electrify America charger we went to yesterday, the first one we plugged into was broken. Luckily, there were three other chargers we could plug into. The second one worked. Second one we went to, three of them are broken. It's like none of these are like have really good uptime. And Electrify America likes to say that they have like 97% uptime or something. And like clearly that's not true from like well, our referential data. It could be true, but like... Even 97% is probably not enough. Yeah. Like I, I can see on the map when a, when a Tesla supercharger is down. Yeah. And it's usually, maybe it's down for a day. But like if you say in an entire year there is 1,000 chargers and three of, 3% of them, that's 30 of them, are down for the entire year, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's so pretty bad. I, you want 99% plus, I hope. Yeah. Even if we're just talking about the Maki's trip on the first day, if let's say everything was like just the worst coincidence possible, anybody who is new to EV and had that experience in a new EV car would regret their decision and be probably never buy an EV again. And that's just not a place we can be right now if we're trying to fully adapt to EV cars because of emissions. Like that's not acceptable at all. And I think that would, you're not only ruining the experience for one person who will stick with gas for the rest of their life, all of the people that they talk to that might yeah. be thinking of that decision is possibly ruining Right, that. that's something we were talking about earlier in the studio. It's mm-hmm. just like the power of recommendations from your friends and family for so many people outweighs doing your own research on the internet. So many people will say like, oh, I know this says that it's the best on the internet, but my friend told me that it's not great. Yeah. And it's like, that is so powerful. And it's something that they talk to us about with the lightning, which is that pickup trucks right now are probably the most resistant to changing to EV. Which is hilarious considering they benefit the most from it, but. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other that's a argument. Whole other argument. Think, but, but like, if we're talking about pickup trucks coming in, if pickup truck drivers were to have that experience that they just had with Mach-E, it would be, it would be hugely detrimental to just, yeah. not just Ford and the F-150, but I think to pickups in general, because this is going to be one of the first really big ones we see. And I think they have a year to, no, six months-ish maybe, six months to a year to really, figure this out before yeah. the next the F-150 launch or else I think it could be really, really bad for just EVs and this in is, general. It's the hard it's the hardest thing, right? Like I want to note again, like the the Maki is a, like a pretty decent car actually. Like a uh, lot of its yeah. parts are really nice. The interior is pretty nice. It was pretty nice to drive. Blues blue cruise, not blues cruise. I was about to ask about that. Blues oh. cruise. Um yeah we can talk about that a little bit more uh, in a sec too. But like it's a pretty decent car. And if you are not going on a road trip, if you're plugging in every night oh, yeah. and you only go within two hundred miles. Oh yeah. It's yeah. 
a lot of these cars like never most have people to could do that, use yeah. this every day and they would not yeah. have any problems yeah a lot of people take one road trip once in a while it's a very yeah. small consideration and you plan very heavily around it right. so most people aren't buying the car based on the road trip yeah um but also there's i just want to mention there's a couple variables for each car that uh could affect obviously we're on different roads at different times, different amounts of traffic, things like that. The wheels and tires I wanted to mention because people always yeah. want to bring this up. The 21-inch wheels with the sport tires on the Model S Plaid are rated for 350 miles. Yeah. The 19-inch wheels would have aero caps and it would be rated at 390 miles. Yeah. So that's a fun fact. There's yeah. also a long-range Model S that gets 402, 402. something like yeah. that. Yeah. So that exists. Um, we also could have used a longer range gas car and they probably would have never killed the mileage. Yeah. When you guys left and it was like over 400 miles of range, I was like, what I was surprised that I just had, I set a trip for the whole thing. It just like counts your range and your miles per gallon. And that thing's rated. It was 23 city, 28 highway. I think we were averaging like 32, 33 miles per gallon. Now Mm. most of our driving was all highway. All highway. Uh, Like for all of us, there was very few back roads, which was very hand. Handy nice. for the uh, for the blue cruise as well. Yeah, it was it was great to just like go on and. Although we had a lot of we were all because you know Vermont. There were, Vermont. Oh yeah, you did. And also uh, yeah yeah. Our anyway. back roads were basically like highways though. I mean like yeah. not a lot of cars. There was a point where we didn't see a car behind us for probably like an hour. Yeah. I also had like two hundred miles in a row of a single lane road. Yeah yeah. <laughs> it was great. That was between Placid and Niagara. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I'll, we'll land on this, this last point, which is like quality of life, Yeah. which is like, okay, once in a while, let's say you do go on a road trip. How, how comfortable is the car? Like we were talking about, Hayato was like, I've never done a thousand miles in a car like this, but these seats are great. And I feel fine after a thousand miles, which is like pretty great. I feel like the fatigue factor of like going a thousand miles and having to think for a thousand straight miles about the steering wheel is is reduced by having some sort of adaptive cruise control experience. Yep. Yep. I've seen some videos about Blue Cruise. Yeah. I've never tried it, so yeah. I'm really curious. I'm going to watch your footage later, but mm-hmm. how did that go with the Mach-E? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so for those who don't know, Ford has kind of a autonomous driving. Th- it's not autonomous drive. People get mad at us all the time mm-hmm. for saying this. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's sort of like a cruise control thing called Blue Cruise. Um, and what you told me when I told you about it yesterday was that it's very similar to early um, autopilot. Yes. And so basically you can turn it on and it'll it'll drive for you and you can set a speed. We, there were so many weird quirks about it, though, because like you can set a max speed, but then randomly later, like you'll just be coasting. And we would set it at 75 because that was the max speed we agreed we would all go. Uh-huh. Randomly, it would just kick up to like 90. Yeah. <laughs> and every single time it would kick up, it was always 20 miles over the speed limit. And I was like, why is it doing, like, is this legal? Initiating like, ticket mode. Yeah, it was very weird. And it would just weird. do it without asking you. And it was just, it was so confusing. Um, and then they have like these weird animations to show like when it's in full blue cruise mode, when it's in like, you don't have to use the pedal, but you still need to steer that kind of mode. Mm. And it, uh, you had told me that like you saw a video or something where anytime it would start to go around a curve, it would just freak out. It would just it would just disengage. This was better than that. Um, it could go around curves, but it is mu- it was much worse at going around the curves because it would not turn nearly enough, and it would almost always the wheel would almost always touch like the bumps on the road that tries to like keep you off, off uh, the rumble the edge, strips, the rumble yeah. strips. Or like the yellow strip or whatever it was. It would almost always touch that. 
and multiple times when it was like in full blue cruise mode, I have my hands on the wheel and it would kind of go around the turn, but it would not take it tight enough, nearly tight enough. So it would kind of do this thing where it would start to turn, but then it would recognize that it didn't do it nearly tight enough. And then it would like jar to the right. And like it just kept doing this and it got really uncomfortable a couple times where we would go on those rumble strips and would just start going or there'd be like, you know, we were going super far across like America. So there's just tons of trucks everywhere. Oh, yeah. And there was the there would be these trucks in the lane next to us and we'd get like really close to that truck. And I just feel like I just it didn't feel super comfortable to use. Yeah. Um, but for like for the instances where we would just be going pretty much straight, maybe a few curves for like an hour, it was it was really nice. Like you don't, your brain doesn't have to be 100% on. It has to be like 80% on. So I have a couple of comparisons with autopilot that I want to ask you about. Yeah. Number one is, um, yeah, early versions of autopilot would sort of have this weird like ping pong behavior. They'd bounce back and forth yeah. between the side lanes, which is sort of sounds like what you're describing, yeah. especially in a turn. Yeah. And the newest version on this car is very, very smooth, which is nice. Yeah. Even sometimes they would approach a curve and slowly slow down a little bit to make that curve a little gentler mm. and then speed back up to speed. So I like that. But there is also uh, a, a certain length of time where it will ask you to just like touch the wheel or just like apply a light force to the yoke in this case, just to make sure you're still paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> you told me yeah. yours was very different of an experience because oh, mine yeah. will start, it'll start oh, yeah. like flashing it's on hilarious. the dashboard and yeah. then it'll like beep at you. Yeah. And if you actually go enough time where the car is in autopilot and you don't engage and you aren't paying attention, it will actually disable auto steer yeah, yeah. until you put the car in park yeah. and then it'll be enabled for your next drive. Yeah. How did the Mach-E handle okay, that? Okay, so we were making this joke yesterday because I was sort of telling you about this. Um, it doesn't like to make noise. This car doesn't like to make noises, and I don't really know why. Yeah. From from using the stock to, like, put your turn signals on, it you can barely hear the turn signal at all. That's like, I odd. didn't know it was on a lot of the time, especially if we were, like, playing music or just talking, and that was uncomfortable. But uh, as far as the Blue Cruise thing goes, um, there's a little camera that is like watching you to make sure that you are paying attention to the road. Mm -hmm. And if I was like, had Blue Cruise, we were going on a like quite straight away, and I would like look over to the screen to like change the song or try to reroute us or something. It's like, if, you're, if you've got a giant tablet screen, you have to use it, right? So it's not like you're gonna be paying 100% attention to the road if you have to use the screen. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be like, pay attention. But instead of making a noise, it would just brake check us. What? Where it just like, <laughs> and this happened over and over again. This is so weird to In me. In order to like snap your attention back to the little dash and also the the road, it would literally just like do a quick brake. That is so like, weird. But it doesn't, it, it wouldn't play any noises and it would just, it was. Just beep at them. Yeah. Or yeah. like play a beep in the speaker. Yeah. It and brake like, checks you. It brake checks you. And I'm wondering if. I am wondering if like that's a fail safe in case it thinks you're falling asleep. Yeah, it sounds like a jolt kind of thing. I, I'm wondering if brake check's the right term. But because brake check is like a full blown. It would tap the brakes. Tap the brakes. It brake, would tap I think the brakes pretty yeah. hard and then just keep like keep going. That to me is wild. It was weird. That that's what it shows. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some reason for it, and there's some engineers who have just studied this, but. If you've seen videos on YouTube of uh, like going a long time without, like there's videos of people like falling asleep behind the wheel of a Tesla and it just keeps driving. Like if you do that for more than a couple minutes, it'll pull you over and beep at you and make you wake up. It's not gonna tap on the brakes. It's just <laughs> gonna get off the road because yeah. you're not paying attention. Yeah. 
So that's weird to me that it yeah. shows that. But yeah. Um, yeah, no. So the auto steer, it was helpful for me. I, obviously, the, the Audis had. Uh, it's just like a lane assist, but yeah, it, lane it does assist. like take just a little bit off your like mental fatigue it's, to just like relaxing. kind of have it going yeah. with cruise control. The two together are nice. Didn't yeah. you say you encountered your first overpass? Yes. Uh, like kind of I had, like break? Yeah, I had I had a very, very good autopilot experience. I don't autopilot very much, but this is like I probably put in a couple hundred miles of autopilot and near the very end of our trip in like perfectly reasonable weather. I've seen this example on the internet a few times, never experienced it. Mm. Approaching an overpass, which has a shadow on the road, it slammed on the brakes. Oh, man. Approaching this overpass with a pickup truck behind me, mind Oof. you. Um, and luckily, even in autopilot, if you just hit the throttle, it'll just accelerate and stay yeah. in autopilot. And so I did that, but it it apparently sometimes, sometimes thinks that the shadow of the overpass on the road is a car and thought it was about to crash into the back of the car and yeah. slammed on the brakes. Yeah. Very odd to me. Yeah. Everything else about autopilot, yeah. the entire trip was great. Yeah. It would, it would change lanes for me. It would take the exit off of the highway and then yeah. tell me, hey, in 500 feet, take the wheel, you're going to have to drive. And that's fine, but that was one weird one. Yeah. I've never experienced yeah. that. So, yeah. um, I, I do want to come back to the quality of life thing just overall. Yeah. And I know that a lot of reasons that people like kind of rail on Tesla is because, especially in like a Model 3, for example, it's way more about the software experience. It's way more minimal. You know, we did that um, that other really, really fancy car. Uh, forgetting EQS. The EQS. EQS. Oh, the EQS. EQS. Yeah. And like, it's just all about luxury. And yeah. I felt like the Mach-E was actually a pretty good in-between. Like, uh, like I have a Model 3 and, you know, it's very basic. The seats are basic. Everything's basic. And it's like, I've never really cared about that. After driving a thousand miles in this car, like, I was pretty surprised at how nice, like, the seats are really comfortable. They're pretty wide. Mm -hmm. um, just a lot of the, like, Things in the car feel nicer overall. All of our cars had wireless chargers, right? Yeah, this also had a had a wireless charger, sort of in a similar semi situation to where the newer Teslas have it, like right in the front there. Smart. Only one instead of two. The second seat little area was just for your keys or whatever. The Audis, actually, if I want to complain about something, the Audis wireless charger was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Wow. I don't. We didn't even use it because of how stupid it is. So. In the center console, you know, like, uh, and then it has the piece you flip up, yeah. which has your armrest. So there's two cup holders in front of that. When you flip the armrest up, that's where the wireless charger is. Mm. So, so you, you either are charging, oh, if I've you have anything those. in your cups, you have to put your you're charging away. it under the armrest. <laughs> yeah. But also when it's there, you can't get to the space underneath it because it slides forward. So you either can have your phone over top of the cup holders, wireless charging, <laughs> oh. but now you can't use your cup holders and there's no yeah. other ones in the front. Or you slide it back and now when you lift the armrest up, your phone's there, wireless charging, you can't see it while you're driving or doing anything. Yeah. And also, um, it's covering all of the space underneath it. So I was like, yeah. sh to shove my the receipts we were taking in there, I had to like <laughs> pull my water bottle out, slide it forward, put the receipts in, like yeah. it was, I did. It's we a didn't weird use place. It at all. Yeah. Um, luckily, I was just plugged in for Android Auto, so that's oh. why I was charging the oh, whole yeah. time. But oh yeah, and this had this had Android Auto and it had Apple CarPlay. That and, like, is that's nice. another benefit because like especially with Android Auto, I love Android Auto because mm -hmm. you can be like find me coffee shops along my route. Yeah. Whereas with like Tesla, it, you can't really do that. Yeah. Um. So that was nice, and it had a USB C and a USB A outlet right in front of the wireless charger, which I really am annoyed at Tesla for getting rid of the USB-A chargers yeah, it's all in the car. C ports now. There's like one USB-A charger in the um, 
dash box. Glove box. Glove box. Yeah. That's mostly for dash cam, but you can charge other things in it. But it's like very annoying that there are no like, for example, like the Apple Watch, the charger that it comes with is USB A. Yeah. And so if I want Apple's fault. Yeah, it's I know it's Apple's. Yeah, totally. I think everything should switch over to USB C. But yeah. yeah. But it's the exact same conversation we had um, about like removing things before like the yoke, right? Right. Like you're changing you're eventually want to remove the steering wheel. Instead you make the steering wheel work arguably worse before you remove it. I will say, we haven't gotten to my full review yet, but I've hit the point where I don't miss the buttons anymore. It right. took me two thousand two hundred miles <laughs> before I right. really thought to myself, I've stopped missing the buttons. Interesting. Without the looking stocks you mean? Uh the blinkers. Oh, oh, like physically missing. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant so you're used to it now. To I'm the... fully used to driving, not checking the wheel, check my mirror, I'm hitting the blinker without looking. Mm. I would like you to mark down every time, because you know there's going to be like that situation you come to like once every three years. I want you to mark down every time in the future from when like one thing is just a little off and you did it wrong because of the yoke. Oh, yeah. I want to see how long that goes how and long what that, that situation going? is. It's going to yeah. be like uh, I had to... Do a K turn and turn like my a, headlights yeah, on yeah. and flash the exactly, headlights. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. weird like that. I just want to yeah. know like randomly when that happens. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely still happening. But the 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 just getting used to it part, mm-hmm. twenty two hundred miles. Okay, interesting. I'm used to it. All right, good to know. So um, there you go. And last thing I will say too is is like the amount of people who just like we would drive through little small towns and the amount of people who would just like stare at our car. Oh, interesting. Was like there would be what and we we had multiple people both at charging stations. And uh, like just getting coffee, who we were like, "What car is that?" And mm. then we'd be like, "It's a Mustang Machi." And they'd be like, "There's a Mustang electric car." We had so many people asking about that. So like, I know there's a lot of people who just like don't want a Tesla because they just don't want to be part of the Tesla thing. That's, That's interesting. totally. There's yeah. people who have Android phones because they don't want an iPhone. It's not about what's better about the Android phone, which there are many things that are better about Android about phones. That, yeah, but there are many people who just don't want an iPhone. Right. It's fascinating. Which is, yeah, there's people like that, and so the amount of people huh. who would probably buy this Mustang Mach-E because they like the Ford brand and it's not Tesla because a lot of people just don't like Tesla. That's uh, that's the thing they got going for them too. But we had so we turned so many heads with that car. And it's a pretty good looking car, especially yeah. from 45 degree angle. Yeah. That's a whole that's a whole other topic. The, <laughs> yeah. The, the, I'll Stop take anything but a That'll Tesla. go for literally any company out there. I don't like this company, so I'm buying yeah. that company. Yeah. I'm huh. sure there'll be a point where there will be people who like Teslas and won't buy something else, even though it might be better for them because they want oh, yeah. Tesla instead. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's an even stronger. Just right right now, in terms of where we're at, there are people, Tesla is the number one right now. Yeah. So people don't like it. The same reason, like, exactly what you said. Yeah, people don't like Apple. It's the contrarian thing. Exactly, it's like the contrarian. The underdog. That's a, you know. that's a psychology podcast co- topic, I think. Yeah. Maybe you can, uh, that would be such- fun to have you on. A podcast like that to talk about tech fanboyism, but yeah, yeah. maybe that's our our end for this episode. Yeah, maybe we'll, if we're at this point right now, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I will but just it's fun. Yeah, yeah. The first day was pretty dang stressful. I will yeah. say. So we're if, glad to have you here. If you're doing a road, sh- thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're glad you. <laughs> I should have known from the beginning when I got placed in the Maki that it was going to be the most. Didn't stressful you pick car. it? We well, we maybe, debated it. You we know, had two thoughts. I'm willing to be in pain for the cause. Well, our thoughts yeah. though were: yeah. Do we put? Two people, because we picked the teams already. Was it two people who are you two both drive EVs? Our car and the gas mm. car, none of us drive EVs. Yeah. So it's like, 
do we put people who are brand new into it or people who are somewhat? It's beneficial that Brandon and I both already have Model 3s because then we can compare the difference between a similarly priced car. Right? We also thought you had similarly the advantage of just knowing about charging in general. Yeah, so that too. We put it in that's there. Right. But yeah, to help totally cool. Up. I'm glad I had Brandon with me. It was fun. You know, yeah. you know, sick. Yeah, I'm glad we're all back and we're we're working on the the full recap video, so you guys will get all the data. I'm trying to find the best way to like package yeah, all of this if and you explain heard, all of it. If you yeah, heard typing, so like much. this is the first time all the cars have like really sat down and talked. So I think Marquez is taking notes at some yeah, point in yeah, there. Yeah. Like we have two videos coming out that should be awesome. Yeah, um, studio behind the scenes, <laughs> I can't wait for. Yeah. And then you could just see Brandon final. and I's devolveness into madness, <laughs> like. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. But anyway, that's been that's been it for Waveform this week. Of course, it's Techtember. Like we're in it. We're yeah. in it, guys. There's yeah. there's some phones around the corner. There's some some stuff coming out. There's gonna be a lot more videos coming up. So definitely stay tuned for that and subscribe if you haven't already. But that's been it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. So Waveform was produced by me, Adam Molina. We are partnered with the Vox Media Podcast Network, and our intro outro music was created by Vane Sill. Mm-hmm.